Hey guys, welcome to the ResinCast, a place to share knowledge and ideas in the world of resin casting and blank making. Each episode will cover a different topic and answer listener questions. I'm Zach Higgins, a full-time resin turning blank maker and YouTuber running ResinWorksStudio.com. And I'm Casey Martin. I'm a hybrid pen blank maker, YouTuber, and longtime pen turner. We are two guys who love getting creative with resin, and we want to share that passion with you. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the ResinCast podcast. Uh, again, we're going to be doing our kind of kind of new normal, but we do have some questions from a listener that we're going to tackle and answer today. So it'll be kind of cool. So uh, before we begin, I just want to thank our three sponsors. We got Easy Wood Tools, Turner's Warehouse, and Turntex Woodworks. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know at this point, uh, Easy Wood Tools sells carbide tools for turning and uh, they came out with the negative rake scraper which is my favorite for turning resin Um, so make sure to go and check them out if you need any turning tools they also have uh, chucks and other accessories that you can use for for you know the lathe and for turning Um, so definitely go give them a a, a shout at easywoodtools.com and then Turntex Woodworks, that's where we get our cactus juice and our vacuum chambers, and you can also buy alumilite resin and dyes there. They got everything that you need for stabilizing and and resin casting, so make sure to check them out, uh, turntex.com. And last but not least, we got Turner's Warehouse. That's where you can get all of your, uh, you know, pen turning supplies, uh, just general turning supplies. But they also sell a a ton of ring making supplies as well as knife making supplies. And they just keep expanding everything. So basically, if you need anything, go over to Turner's Warehouse. And I had a little bit of an update. So uh, I talked to Chad a couple days ago. And we've been kind of chatting uh, over the last couple of weeks. They got some exciting stuff coming. But uh, first, I just wanted to let everybody know that if you are into the kitless pen making stuff, they got their taps and dies back in stock. So um, those are what cut the threads. Um, so they got the, the you know taps are going to cut your internal threads. The dies are going to cut the, the external outside threads. Um, so everything that you need, they got mandrels and all that kind of stuff. So if you're, you wanted to get into that, uh, kitless pen making stuff they they have all the supplies you need but the taps and dies are back in stock and i have i'm leaking a little bit of a, a, a product coming soon announcement um, i was talking to chad and i did get his okay to talk about this but um, they are going to be coming out with usa made pen kits that they're making basically awesome. they're having someone make i think and I am super stoked about that. It's been, you know, quite a while. There, there, there have been a few that kind of popped up here and there. Um, but, you know, I know one of them's, I think they went out of business or, you know, whatever. So I am really looking forward. You know, Chad does a really good job. He's been pen turning for I don't know how long. He's, he's one of the experts, basically, in the entire field. And so I can't wait to see what he comes up with for, you know, these kits. Because he's got a lot of experience. He's got a lot of really good ideas. And I think it's going to be pretty awesome. So just wanted to kind of drop that. I know they're not, I don't, I don't even have a date or anything like that. I just, I know that those are going to be coming soon. Probably I would say, you know, like early next year, um, if I kind of understood correctly, but I'm super excited for that. It's going to be pretty fun. So I just wanted to kind of share that with everybody. So that's all we got for our sponsors and updates. Um, So let's move into what have you been working on, Casey? Yeah, Zach. Uh, Really cool updates, especially those pen kits. That'll be super cool to to see when when those come out. Um, What what I've been up to lately? New choices. Yeah, (laughs) I'm excited about that. Yeah, (laughs) I know it'll be really cool. And and listeners out there will definitely let you know as as soon as those those go live, so you guys can can know right away. so what I what I've been up to uh, what what was fun lately over the last week was I was doing some just kind of random casting of blocks and uh, like limited edition pen blanks and stuff that as we've kind of talked before kind of like the short run limited edition um, mm-hmm. blocks and and pen blanks where uh, not made for any particular reason or to fulfill any type of particular. Uh, type of of you know uh, previous color combination or or anything like that and so I, I was making some of those blocks and some of those pen blanks which was a lot of fun because I haven't I haven't gotten a chance to do it that much I did it a little bit like I maybe made four or five of them about like a month ago or so maybe a little less um but I haven't made any like limited edition pen blanks in a long time and during the process, I was kind of realizing that um, I, I need to 
do some more die stabilizing of wood for kind of pen blank sizes. I, I did a couple mm. with um, like Australian burls and a couple others that were just like clear stabilized and, and all of that. But um, so those, those were a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to getting those cut up and then up for, for sale and everything. What, which will probably honestly not be until the new year because as I was telling Zach before the podcast, my family and I are going up to Hawaii over the holidays. So Woo! yeah, I'm really excited <laughs> for that. Um, but you know, of course we'll be away from the shop. So we'll, we'll probably put some of that, that stuff on, on hold by default, but yeah, just, just plugging away in the shop, you know, other than that, making, um, pen blanks for for orders and and fill and mica containers one of the things that will be really nice over the next couple weeks is my my neighbor um who helps me out filling a lot of the containers he's on christmas break for two weeks so he he said um he's gonna have a lot of time and and wants to work so um, i'm really really hoping we can get almost everything knocked out in terms of having the jars filled because there's still going to be a good amount of work done in, or needed in terms of getting the, the jars cleaned and then um, stickered and, and everything. Um, but nonetheless, it, it would be huge to, to get those done and finally kind of be like a, a weight off my shoulder. So, yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. pretty much the, the big update for me. Uh, what about you, Zach? What have you been up to? Sweet. Well, I hope you have fun in Hawaii. Thank you. you. Have, if you need any suggestions on where to go, we've been there quite a few times on the Big Island. Yeah, I, I'm so sure I, I will definitely good. ask. Yeah, because that's it's our it's our first time um, to the Big Island. We've been to, I've only been to Maui. I've been to Maui like mm. uh, quite a few times, but never the Big Island. So I'm I'm oh, sure our, I'll be sending our, that's you some funny, texts. Our, our next trip, I think we want to go to Maui. So I'm gonna have to hit you up when we go, <laughs> <laughs> find out where to go. Cool. All right. Yeah. So for me, what I've been working on, mostly just kind of keeping up with inventory and all that kind of stuff. Um, It was pretty fun. Last uh, last week on the live stream, we made some uh, hybrid blanks Um, and I just used some some Buckeye Burl that I stabilized. Most of it was just clear, um, just no color or anything like that. I I usually with Buckeye Burl, it takes dye so well and and you can do a lot of stuff with it. It's just a really good dyeing wood. Um, But this time, like, like I don't usually do clear with that. So I thought, you know, I think I'm just going to do, you know, toss these in and we'll, we'll just have fun with colors. And so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to turn one of the pens. I, that's one of the problems that I've had lately is I haven't really been doing too much turning. You know, it's like we make stuff on the, the stream or whatever, and I don't even turn any of them. Um, a lot of them are kind of, I'm, I'm stockpiling for the uh, mystery boxes and stuff, um, or they were, you know, so, something that I sold. And I just, I didn't even get a chance to turn a lot of the stuff. So I've been trying to kind of get a little bit more back into that stuff. And it's been a long time since I turned a hybrid, you know, just a wooden resin blank. So looking forward to that. That'll probably be, I, to be honest, I might actually do that. I, I usually kind of take the, the week between Christmas and New Year's off, sort of, just, just kind of slow down. I, I still come to the shop a lot of times because I don't want to just, like, sit around and do nothing at my house. But, um <clears throat> probably I might actually do a live stream turning that pen during that week and just kind of, you know, be a kind of relaxed, chill kind of thing. So looking forward to that. Um, another project or another kind of order thing, thing, something that I've been working on is some, um, you know, like the aluminum honeycomb, uh, like stopper blanks and you make it with like honey looking resin, like the yellow Amber. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been working on that. I'm actually going to be, uh, I'm, I'm getting an order from, um, so for, for anybody that doesn't know, Carl Jacobson uh, took over Ruth Niles Bottle Stoppers. And so that's pretty cool, pretty interesting news. I'm pretty excited for them. Um, but they decided to order some blanks from me. They wanted to get some of them honeycomb kind of like that look like the like real honeycomb kind of thing with the aluminum honeycomb in them. So I've been working on those. It's been a long time since I made them, and I actually kind of screwed up. I didn't get the the, the dye mixture right. <laughs> I was using, I have these notebooks, and I don't. I think what happened was I didn't use like the most current. You know, like I went back and I was kind of looking up, um, trying to find the the recipe that I used for the dye, and either, it was either just lighter yellow than I than I kind of thought it was, or or it was maybe like an earlier one where I didn't get it orange enough. <laughs> so. 
I did like a whole batch and they came out and I'm like, oh, these are not good. So I had to redo it. But pretty fun stuff. I, I, I enjoy doing those things. They, they turn out, they just look cool. I don't know. For some reason, that, that kind of amber colors, that honey look is kind of cool with the, the aluminum honeycomb. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, that's pretty much, I mean, I haven't really been doing a whole lot of stuff. Just kind of trying to keep up with, with orders and get everything done before Christmas, <laughs> basically, <laughs> that we need to get done. So I've been kind of doing a lot of errands outside the shop, too. Very cool. And watching the snow reports. <laughs> I'm waiting for, for even more snow up here in Tahoe. Very, very cool. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, um, I was thinking we could we could move into the questions. And uh, the, the first couple that I will be asking are inspired from Lindsay Stern. She sent in some, some questioner questions. So you listeners out there, definitely send us in some questions as well or, or topic ideas. We definitely take them into uh, consideration. And so uh, one of the, the first ones is... And I thought this would be perfect for you to answer, Zach, since I know you talk about this a little bit in your ebook and and videos and, and stuff like that. Is um, what what the kind of ideal beginner setup is like a pressure pot, lathe, embedding accessories, glitter or dyes. Like if you had to start from scratch, she says on a relative budget, what what would you recommend? Um, did she mention lathes? So is this a turning thing? Uh, sh- yeah, she said pressure pot, mm-hmm. lathe, embedding accessories. Okay. Um, so ki- kind of oh, like the so whole like which thing. ones of those things? Yeah. Okay, I see. Um, well, a lot of it kind of depends on, on different things. I mean, there, there's different ways. But if you're going for like a budget setup, um, I personally, so I'm going to start with the lathe. I personally really like variable speed lathes. Um, I just, I don't like having to change belts. It's kind of a pain. And so there's some, some lathes and I I would probably, I would just go with a mini lathe unless you, you are absolutely certain that you're, this is the thing that you want to (laughs) do, you know, like that you're going to be turning for, for many years. I mean, if that's the case, then, you know, maybe just jump up to a bigger lathe, but I think mini lathes, they're just easier to kind of handle. They're easier to move around and set up and all that kind of stuff. And so for beginners, the minis are are kind of the way to go. And I think the two, like I said, I kind of lean towards, I'd rather have more features. So I tend to spend a little bit more money, but I mean, you can spend, you know, kind of like a really low amount and get the one where, excuse me, (laughs) just hold on real quick. (laughs) No worries. <clears throat> okay. I'm just about choked to death there. <clears throat> That's the worst on an audio show. Anyway, so you can get a, a mini lathe, you know, as long as you're willing to change the belts, they're really cheap. And the ones that I, I kind of, that most people kind of recommend are the Rikon, uh, like base model ones. I don't know what the numbers and all that stuff are. That's a really good starter lathe. Um, if you want to spend a little bit more money, if you have the budget, I think the two that that most people really like that are kind of a full feature lathe are the Laguna. And I don't know, again, I don't know all these numbers. Let me let me just look these up real quick. I can look up the Laguna. I think it's the 12 1216 Laguna. That one's fabulous. I know that for sure. Uh, there's also the jet. I think it's the 12. Do you know which one that one is? I don't jet 1226. I want to say 1221. Hold on a minute. Yeah. 1221 VS, uh, for jet. Um, that's a really good one too. So those are going to be like, they're going to have variable speed. I think they could probably both do forward and reverse and and all that stuff they're heavy duty lathes so if you have the budget if you want to you know kind of get like one of the the kind of higher end i would say those are like the highest end mini lathes that you can get Um, those are really good but you don't need all that um if you know otherwise if you if you're just going for budget and it'll turn fabulously you know like the projects and everything you can do the same stuff with it basically uh, let me see if I can pull up a, a number for that, the one that I'm thinking of. I think it might be the 
Hmm. Without doing a lot of research, I'm, I'm not sure what the number is on the Rikon one. Um, but basically, it's the one that, where you have to change the belt to change speeds. That one, I mean, they're, they're super cheap, but it's a really, really fabulous lathe. I know, you know, Peter Brown had one. Um, a lot of people online with YouTube channels have had them, and they, they, they're just bulletproof. So, again, the biggest drawback to those, though, is you have to, like, stop the thing and then change the belt to, to change speeds. And you only have, like... A handful of speeds that it can go um, whereas the variable speeds they have a dial and it can kind of change you still have to change the belt sometimes but you get ranges within each belt so that's kind of what i would you know recommend for for the lathe i think it's just i wouldn't recommend getting like a really terrible like like super super cheap one because they're just problematic like they're they're harder to use things don't work on them uh, accessories don't fit so it's better to kind of get up to a certain level um, but as long as you're willing to just change the speeds with the belt, that you know base model Rikon is is bulletproof. It's a really great lathe. So that's what I would do for that. Now for resin casting, um, you know, like the basics that you need really are. I recommend people get a pressure pot. I just a lot of people try to get out of not like get away with not using them, and the problem is there are certain things that just require pressure. <laughs> like, and I think that if you're kind of serious about this, you may as well just start off with a pressure pot because anytime that you, you put a bunch of stuff in with the resin, like shredded money or coffee beans or something like that, if you're going to be doing that type of stuff, then there's, you can't just really get away with not using pressure. It just air bubbles get trapped in there and they're going to be in there in the, in the end. That's why pressure pots are so awesome. It doesn't matter. Um, you also don't have to sit there and stir really slow and try and pour carefully. I just find them to be a lot more, I don't know, easy to, it just makes things a lot easier personally. So you'll need a pressure pot. I think the, the best deal out there on pressure pots probably is the California Air Tools uh, five gallon pot. It comes ready to go out of the box. Like there's, it's, I don't think there's anything that you have to do at all. Um, it's it's ready to, to just be hooked up um, and it, it will hold large things as well as small and for the price it's really tough to beat that um, I, I I'm trying to think if there's any others there's the the TCP global is kind of the same thing they have a five gallon one um, I think do you have a two and a half gallon oh I guess the TCP global two and a half gallon one that's probably one of the best um, two and a half. Is that right, Casey? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say so. I mean, there isn't the, there isn't a two and a half that has that kind of clamping system without where you don't have to convert it. Is there? That's one of the no, tough things. Yeah, you're I right. I don't think anyone's making a, a ready to go out of the box two and a half gallon pot these days. So that's why I kind of recommend that five gallon. It just it's it'll let you do anything that you want basically at that point. The only drawback is it's kind of clunky, you know, like the, the lid's kind of heavier, you know, than a two and a half gallon, obviously, it's because it's bigger. But for your money, I don't think you're going to beat, like I said, either that California Air Tools one or the, the TCP Global. Um, and you can get the, the California Air Tools one on Amazon or on turnerswarehouse.com. They have them. Um, and I think also maybe like Woodcraft might sell them and... Uh, yeah, I think it's Woodcraft also. And then I uh, TCP, you can get them on Amazon as well. So lots of different options there for pressure pots. I, I would go with that. Then when it comes to, to the resin, I mean, it, you know, it kind of depends on what you're going to be doing. I kind of prefer, uh, you know, I do a lot of color swirl stuff. Um, so does Casey. And, and I think that's one of the reasons why we like Alumilite Clear. It, it turns really well and it's like quick. Um, you don't have to sit and wait around for 30, 40 minutes before you can do a color swirl type of thing. So I kind of like that. And that's another reason that's that resin Alumilite Clear re actually requires a pressure pot. So if you're going to be going for turning blanks and, and want to do some color swirling, stuff like that, want to use Alumilite Clear, you're going to have to get a pressure pot no matter what, because you can't get away without them. Um, it sets up too fast. So Alumilite Clear is great. Um, a cheaper alternative that's an epoxy is the amazing clear cast. A lot of people use that. Um, a lot of people like total boat. I've never used that personally, but I'm sure it works, you know, kind of the same. Um, I'm trying to think liquid diamonds is not a bad epoxy at all. 
I like how thin it is and how clear it is. So, you know, choosing your resin, it just kind of comes down to what what do you want to do, uh, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, and in some cases, one may be a little bit better than another, but typically for most things, you can kind of go with just about whatever you want. Um, and then for supplies and, and all that kind of stuff, I, I usually recommend for beginners, um, if you're going to use colorants, I usually recommend just getting mica powders to start off. They're just so much easier to, to deal with. They don't bleed as much um, compared to dyes. Dyes can be a little bit weird sometimes. Um, a lot of people, you know, there's there's transparent dyes and there's there's opaque ones. And it just, there's a lot of stuff going on. And a lot of people want specific colors. And that's, it's kind of hard to get very specific matched colors. You know, that's why it's much easier. There's so many mica powders out there that you can find the color that you want and just dump it in. Um, you also, there's no way to add too much of it. They're all compatible with resin. So it's just, it's kind of the easiest way to go. And you're almost every, like no matter what colors you put together, I've never seen a combination of any mica powders, any two or three or whatever, that doesn't look good. Um, whereas dyes, sometimes they don't really look that good if you don't really put the right colors together. So that's kind of what I would recommend. And then, you know, after that, you just need, you know, you, you want to get your gloves. Um, I, I recommend nitrile gloves. Um, latex ones a lot of they, they don't breathe well so your hands are sweaty some people are allergic to it nitrile doesn't have any of that stuff it's it's good it's also more um, protective against chemicals so like acetone um, if you get acetone on latex it like melts it <laughs> basically so not very you know useful practical um, so nitrile gloves you know you're gonna need some cups i usually recommend just getting paint cups the paint mixing cups um, they work really well um, if not, you can just use like plastic, like solo cups, like uh, Casey and I both use the 16 ounce ones. They work great. Um, the only problem is they're like disposable. Basically you use it and you're going to throw it away or, right? you know, every, every cup is going to be thrown away where paint mixing cups you can reuse. Um, for stir sticks, you can use either, uh, like a wood popsicle stick type thing, or you could even find plastic stir sticks. They work great. Um, trying to think if I'm missing anything. Uh, an oven is a good thing to have. Um, I like to heat up my molds if I'm making pen blanks or whatever. It's just resin likes warmth um, and it's going to want to heat up. And what ends up happening is if you got a square mold, then the the corners kind of suck in because uh, the resin's creeping to like the warmest spot, which is in the center. So it's nice to heat it up. You'll, you'll reduce that rounded corner look. Um, you can also use PVC pipes. Um, there's, you know pre-built um, HDPE um, molds that you can get. Uh, Turner's Warehouse sells them. Um, there's also like the individual pen blank ones. Turner's Warehouse also has those. Um, so lots of different, you know, mold options, or you can also make your own with silicone um, if you're trying to like copy things or do something specific. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I'm missing, Casey? No, no, not, not that I, I can I think mean, of. I mean, I think that, I think the main thing is just, you know, get get some stuff. If you're not sure about the resin, um, maybe get some kind of smaller amounts of different ones. That's what I always recommend that. Try a few out. You know, a lot of times people just kind of gravitate towards one. It just seems to work better for them. You know, regardless, it turns better or it's just easier to use or something like that. Um, so, you know, try a few things out. And, and I think the main thing is to just you know, experiment, um, you know, and, and don't worry about failures either when you're beginning. Um, also don't try to bite off more than you can chew. I, I think it's nice to kind of get, get kind of like do simple things first. Don't, don't try to, you know, pour gigantic blanks or, you know, I would even recommend kind of staying away from, uh, mixing wood and resin or, or certain things that are a little bit more difficult just makes, you know, just get used to working with resin first, uh, mix it up, you know, make some color swirl stuff. And then kind of once you've, I don't know, once you've kind of, you know, gotten the feel for how, how the resin works and, and seen, you know, what it's supposed to look like when it's, when it, when everything works, let, let's say, then start kind of, you know, dipping your toes into the wood and all that kind of different stuff. It just adds a, a little layer of difficulty. And if you don't really know what you're doing with just the resin, then it may, then you really don't know if you 
you know, might have messed something up with the resin or if, you know, maybe the wood had moisture in it or something weird was going on. It just makes it difficult to, like, learn the resin if you got all this other stuff going on around it. So that's what I always recommend. And if if you're looking for a guide, I, I do I do have an ebook. Um, it's not available on my website that covers like all this stuff. And I even have uh, a couple of um, like follow along um, projects, or I guess I guess one of them, um, a little follow along project that kind of gives you like a very simple you know casting project to do um, that'll kind of give you a win right off the right off the gate, which I think is kind of important. It it, it kind of sucks if you try something new. And you just fail, you know, like right off the bat or a few times. It's it's nice to just get something simple going and get, you know, like a single pen blank done and, you know, turn it up and, and enjoy that and then kind of start, you know, growing as, as you go. So I don't know. I, I just think the biggest thing that I, I, I also see is a lot of people feel like they need to have everything perfect or something like that or they don't exactly know what what's going on and how, how it all works. Um, and again, that is kind of the reason why I wrote that ebook is there's so many people that just don't start um, because they're they're worried about something. They're not sure which resin or they're not sure which equipment. And the truth is, whatever, you know, it's not that big of a deal um, with most of that stuff. Just get a pressure pot, get some resin, get some mica powders, stir sticks and cups. Um, keep your yourself safe, uh, you know, is another thing you know, with the gloves and, and work in a well-ventilated area. Um, but just mix it up and try it out and you'll, you'll get going and you'll kind of learn, learn what's going on as you go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I, I mean, the other thing I would also throw out there to, to kind of think about Lindsay from, from a different perspective too, is a lot of these things you can get on a relatively, uh, reasonable budget. I mean, I think kind of lathe and and pressure pot are probably going to be two of your biggest expenditures and you could still get both of those for you know maybe like four to five hundred dollars or so and then everything else is 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 going to be be pretty cheap but that being said i still think if you compare this hobby to a lot of other hobbies out there it's in the long run relatively cheap because you those two biggest expenditures i was just saying they're gonna last you forever i mean the the pressure yeah. pods zach was recommending are are good ones um but if you wanted to go even cheaper and for instance get a harbor freight pressure pot i have two of them that i've been using for almost six years now and you know i spent 80 dollars on each of them and you know, so if, if you think about like that, you know, and like we were saying, you can get much better ones just for, you know, a little bit more like a hundred, $150 or, or somewhere around that price point. I haven't looked recently, but it's, it's going to last you forever. Right. And the things that are recurring purchases like resin or glitter or popsicle sticks, cups, etc., are really, really cheap. I mean, resin can get expensive depending on the type you're using, but unless you're doing like crazy large quantity pours, it's, you know, not, not going to be that much. It's going to be like 20 to 50 bucks, you know, here and there, depending how much you're getting. Um, but so anyway, I just kind of wanted to throw that out there that Uh, one, one other thing that I would, I'd probably toss in there. Um, if you're going to be turning resin, um, I would probably recommend for, for a beginner, if you don't have experience with, um, you know, you, you, you don't already have the tools and, and a full set of experience with the regular high-speed steel kind of gouges. I would recommend going carbide. They're just so easy. You don't have to worry about sharpening and doing all that stuff. Um, and I would probably recommend to just get the one that you that will do pretty much anything you need is the round cutter. Um, so, you know, depending on what size things you're, you're going to be turning, um, I, I can turn... I mean, I, I probably use, so it's Easy Wood Tools, just to give you reference, Easy Wood Tools has a, a few different sized handles and all that kind of stuff. Their mini finisher, and, and the word finisher basically just means round cutter, <laughs> um, but the mini size finisher, um, I can use that for 80% of the stuff that I turn. Um, that's what I grab. So that one, you know, something like that, where I, I want to say it's like maybe a, 
I don't know what, like a 12 to 12 inch long handle, maybe something like that. And then, you know, just the, the, the kind of standard, you know, size cutter, uh, round cutter. It's just kind of like the, the, the general basic round size. And so, you know, there's lots of different uh, even tool, you know, companies and all that stuff. I do recommend the, the, the negative rate cutters cut uh, so well with resin that I generally just tend to, you know, that's what I would recommend you get is the Easywood Tools negative rate cutter one. But um, pretty much, I mean, you can get away with doing just about anything with that round you know, just a, it doesn't have to be the big one, just there's the, the smaller, um, you know, normal size, let's say round cutter. And you can turn bowls, you can turn pens, you can turn, you know, bottle stoppers and handles, you can do all that kind of stuff. So that's what I would recommend grabbing. And, and again, that's not really that expensive either. I mean, you can do a ton of projects with one tool, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. So pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I have I have one more question from Lindsay, but I was thinking if you had a different question that you wanted to ask um, to kind of switch it up in the meantime, we could do that or, or we could ask her uh, next one. It's up to you. Mm, let's just go back to back okay. on hers real quick. So then the next one, uh, which covered. I thought was a pretty good question and, and topic to bring up because I don't necessarily have uh, a good answer for it, unfortunately, but she's she's curious about resin waste disposal and if there's any, um, you know, harsh or non-eco-friendly realities to, to be aware of or, you know, any any tips or advice on, on that. And, and I, I can kind of um, just answer quickly from my side since I don't have too much to input, which is that I I think when it comes especially to shavings, um, there's really not not much that you can do. Um, I mean, I think when it in in terms of like recycling or or anything like that, I don't think you're really going to be able to recycle that stuff. And and Zach, you can correct me if if I'm wrong, but uh, I I think the biggest thing if you're trying to find like really eco-friendly ways to uh, get get rid of the waste would be to think of ways that you can reuse it yourself or, um, you know, uh, what ways, you know, that, that, that you could give it away to other people or, or you know, uh, just uh, other ways that, that you could incorporate yourself. Because I, I don't think there's any, like, recycling company or, or, or any buddy that's that's really going to take those like shavings and stuff like that but anyway uh zach what what's what's your uh thoughts on it yeah i think that one of the best ways to recycle it or uh, you can't recycle it it's not it's not something that's recyclable it's not it like you can't melt it down basically so you know basically you just most of the time you're going to throw it away you know if it's like shavings or something like that um if you have liquid resin um, the best thing to do with that is to actually cast it. Um, if you, you know, if, if for some reason you needed to get rid of the liquid stuff, then just, you know, mix the part A and part B together, make it into a big bl- uh, block, and then you can dispose of it. Um, for the, I, the best way that I've seen people kind of reuse it is you can actually just recast it, cast it into a block and then turn it. Um, that's probably the easiest way to, to kind of deal with shavings and stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other, you know, you're going to have, you know, like the cups and, and you're going to have a little bit left over, like in cups and stuff like that. Um, you could use, you can peel the stuff out and actually create ribbons with that if you wanted to. That's one way to kind of reuse that stuff. But it's 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 not going to be a recyclable thing. It's going to be a reuse type thing. Right. Um, so you can get really, you know, interesting blanks um, made with some of the recycled, you know, shavings and different stuff like that. So it is, you know, possible to kind of, do something so that you're not just, you know, dumping it in the landfill, but other, you know, other than reusing, there's really nothing else you can do with it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I would you agree. You could actually I coat mean, your floor with it. That's another way to do it. You could, instead of like the little chips, you could kind of put it on, on, you know, make it create a, a an epoxy floor. Mm-hmm. Probably that would be a way to use some of the shavings. Yeah. And, and Stuff like I mean, that. one of the main things that comes to mind too is, is any type of use case that, um, it is like where filler is needed. So like, 
for mm-hmm. instance, if you had really, really big, fluffy, um, like curls or, you know, just, just, just big shavings that weren't like really, really tiny and, and basically like dust, you know, you, you could use them, um, potentially as like packing, you know, material filler mm-hmm. or, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know all of the, the use cases that, that filler is necessarily used for, but you know, when I, I'm thinking of kind of that like car shredded cardboard or paper filler that, that people, um, you know, they, they shred up that stuff to reuse it and then they'll use it in, in all different types of packing or whatever, you know, it, it, there could be something like that maybe. Um, so mm-hmm. just throwing it out there. Yep. Well, um, Cool. Well, thanks, Lindsay, for those those questions. We really appreciated it. And um, you listeners out there, definitely send us send us in qu- more questions and, and topics. We'll we'll be happy to to take them and roll with them. Um, but Zach, do you have uh, a question for me or, or another topic you wanted to switch gears to? Yeah. So you, you had mentioned that you're working on some uh, like limited edition blocks, which are just kind of you know creative kind of kind of blocks. And I was wondering. I know you said it had been a little little while since you did that, but like, how often do you do you do that usually? And let's let's actually say, because like I know that now that you have you know your new job, let's just say uh, like the last few years, you mm-hmm. know, like how often would you do that kind of thing? And and how how I guess important is that you know to to just you know sometimes you get into this you know okay I got to make you know green you know whatever. Uh, 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 grapevine blanks and purple. I got to restock and you're just, you know, constantly doing the same things, but these are, are things where you get to just do whatever you want. And, and like, how important is that to you? Yeah. To, to yeah. Be able to kind of do that and just kind of do new things or, or, or experiment, I guess. I mean, in, in some sense, maybe try experimenting stuff. Like how often do you kind of set some time aside to kind of do that? How often do you get to do that usually? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, uh, like as as you you hinted at unfortunately the the last like year or so i haven't gotten a chance to as as much as i would like and even though you know for for the rest of my life i'm going to have kind of a a daytime job i still think once i get into my new shop and just have much more of a seamless um setup uh for you know getting those kind of production style blanks out that you were describing i'm gonna have a little more free time to do that which will be great but yeah to, to answer your question i think i think it's it's really important uh for for two two reasons i mean the the biggest most important one is on the side of having fun and and really enjoying it i think you know uh especially for for me when where Right now, my limited free time that I'm that I have outside of my normal work, I work in the shop. And when I'm making just kind of the same repetitive blanks over and over, it feels a lot less like free time. That's a hobby that I'm enjoying. And it feels more just like extra work, you know, and Mm -hmm. when I. Mm And getting to do something just for the sake of resin casting, something new, you know, usually a lot of the times it will be hybrid blanks. And the majority of the time in the past, it would be die stabilized hybrid blanks, usually like multi-dyed or double-dyed where you don't really know what it's going to look like for sure until you cast the block of it and or the slab of it and cut it up, you know. So there's just so mm-hmm. much so much more fun that I have with them because like you're alluding to as well, you get to try new things, which is fun. And especially too, as I was mentioning with the hybrid blanks, you get the kind of fun little mystery of when you slice into it the first time, like seeing what's inside where with my grapevine pen blanks that I've cast hundreds of times, I know exactly what they're going to look like, you know, and it's, it's the same process every time. Um, so I think it's, I think it's really important. Um, I mean, how often I used to do it would be, um, honestly, like at least once, once a week. I mean, the, the biggest thing that I did a lot of, um, I, I didn't do the pen blanks as much. I, 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 there was a period of time, like 
I forget what year it was, maybe like 2018 or 2019, where I was really good at those as well. It was mainly because it was like the year that I got um, kind of first exposed to die stabilizing and double die stabilizing. And I was just, you know, kind of in the honeymoon phase of it and just did it all yeah. the time because it was so much fun. Um, but the blocks, that's something that I did a lot because the other big reason that I wanted to mention of why I think it's really important is I think it's it's also really good in terms of the business, um, business side of things, if, if, if you're selling, selling blanks and, and blocks, because when you have a store like you and I do or others do where you have the same items always listed, I think at, you know, from like a, a customer psychology perspective, it's really, really cool to be able to go onto a store and be like, oh my gosh, this is like a one of five pen blank. Mm -hmm. They're never going to be made again. They're double die stabilized. So even if they tried to make it again, this exact color combination is never going to happen exactly this way. And, um, you know, and, and it's, it's not always there. Right. So I think, they they always did really well in the past, um, especially with the blocks too. I think there was you know the the added benefit as we've talked about in the past that they're so versatile in in the hands of a maker that they can be turned into anything. So I, I think they were yeah. popular from that way. But yeah, I mean overall, I, I like I said the the biggest reason too is just from kind of the fun hobby side of it. I thought it was really important to kind of break away and really get back to the roots of why I got into it and and love it which is just making something cool that you think will will turn out really really awesome you know so that's that that that's kind Absolutely. of my thoughts on it yeah. what about you well yeah I think it's really important because that's that's my favorite thing you know a lot of a lot of people like ask me to do these custom jobs and they want you know this and that and I don't take custom work generally because it's just it I don't find it fun <laughs> to, you know to to have you know like one I don't want to screw it up you know and it, it, there's just a lot more pressure and like what I really love doing is just experimenting on the live streams and stuff and I, I would do that on my own anyway um, you know and and I really enjoy just seeing what will happen if you do this, if you use these colors together, if you, you know, put this material with it. So I love, I love experimenting. Um, and actually, I, I actually totally forgot about one thing that was, that was on the bench. I actually made a, a resin art piece for my mom for Christmas this year. Um, and I don't do that a lot. Like I just took a piece of wood and then mixed up some colors and just, you know, had at it, you know, put on, laid down, a bunch of different colors. She she kind of mentioned I, I made this this block with uh, flore like different fluorescent colors and then a little bit of white. And she was like, "Oh, I want that block." And I'm like, "Well, those are pen blanks. <laughs> I'm going to cut them up and sell them." You know. Um, so I was like, you know, down the road I'll make something. And so I kind of tried to mimic that and did it a little bit different. But you know, so that was an experiment just to kind of see you know, what, what I can make, um, you know, just, just literally you can cover anything with resin and put, put all kinds of different stuff. I put fluorescent colors, you know, dyes. Um, I actually added some of my blue to purple color shift in there a little bit, some white and just played around with it. So, you know, like there's so many different ways, aspects of, of resin casting that you can do, um, from resin art to countertop stuff, which is kind of similar to that sometimes. Um, you know, turning blanks, pen blanks, um, copying things. And it's just fun to see what you can do basically. So I, I love doing it. I try to do it as much as possible. And then on the other hand, I also experiment a lot. You know, one of the big things that I make is team color blanks. And so matching colors is a big, uh, you know, part of it. And, um, one thing that I've been trying to do, actually, if you want to kind of talk about like experimenting and, and kind of getting creative a little bit, I guess, um, there's a few of the, few of the dyes from from alumilite you know like the the transparent dyes they really bleed bad um i i finally just gave up trying to make michigan wolverines like the blue and, and yellow um anything blue and yellow pretty much i just don't make um with with alumilite white and even re really with clear if you're just adding 
those those transparent dyes they turn to green really quick and so i've been trying to find different like alternative dye things and, and different ways of, of doing it to kind of get certain colors to not bleed so i've been kind of experimenting with that a little bit um so that's been kind of fun so i i i, I mean my whole the whole thing is like experimenting like for me like that's the fun part the rest of it kind of be, is a little bit worky <laughs> you know it's work ish mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, keeping stock up and inventory and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's a little bit more on the work side. The lucky part of that is like compared to going to an office and sitting there for eight hours a day, that's not, that's work (laughs) to me. Like having to make some more pen blanks. That's, you know, it's not, it's not like the four letter word work, Hmm. uh, you know, Mm -hmm. but it is, I got to get the work done kind of thing compared to. Um, experimenting for me is like the fun thing. That's like the like keeping the hobby alive, kind of thing. So I love it. I, I try to do it as much as possible. Um, again, that's a big reason why I do live streams. Um, it just allows me to do kind of whatever I, I want to do and and share with with other people and also have them give me some input. So I'm not just doing it blindly and you know. Uh, hopefully together we can come up with some some new ideas and try different things that maybe I wouldn't have done personally you know right so i think it's i think it's a huge deal it's it's and i and i always recommend other people do it um you know if you have if you want to see how this and that goes together or whatever you know like if you want to try something out even if people tell you that it's not going to work do it try it see what happens you know um some of the biggest um like breakthroughs i guess some of the well definitely some of the biggest lessons i've learned came from complete failures but um some of the biggest, um, I don't know, like things that I totally stumbled upon that there, like, there is no way that I would have even come up with this idea, but it was res- because of a result of something that went awry, basically that, that wasn't supposed to happen. I tried doing something and it, and it didn't turn out the way I expected. Um, I've learned a lot of things about resin from those, you know, from like kind of failures or things that didn't work basically that, that kind of went weird. Um, so I always say experiment often, fail often, you know, you, you get better quicker and you learn a lot more stuff. If you fail, if you just get everything right that you were trying to do, then that's great. But I don't know that you're going to grow as much if, if that's how it is, if you're not really stepping outside of the kind of comfort zone kind of thing. Right. But again, for beginners, I recommend just kind of taking, you know, taking it slow. Get, get And the main thing is when I say that it's not so much like, oh, don't do anything. It's, it's more like. If you've never, you, like, if you want to get into photography and you've never held a camera, are you going to worry about all these, like, kind of crazy, you know, photography things and, and projects? Or are you going to just try to get hands-on with the camera and, and understand where the buttons are right. <laughs> and stuff like that? Like, that's kind of why I say that. Like, don't don't mess it all up with all these different, you know, wood and, and all these different things. Focus on, it's just a new thing. Like, stirring is, is not normal for a lot of people and... and, and understanding how does the resin work heck i even tell people just don't even put any dye in it the first time if you've never used resin just mix up some clear and see what happens right <laughs> you, know? Just, you know not a lot but i mean just just mix something up see what happens watch it um maybe time how long it takes to to you know transform it's it's a learning process and to understand what's actually happening with it you know i think that that's a big deal and so you know once you've gotten the okay i understand how resin works generally then have at it. Go out there and experiment. Try new things. Do whatever you think. You know, push the boundaries, and and you'll you'll. I think you'll have more fun. Number one, but you'll also learn and grow a lot faster. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. So one of the the questions I had for you uh, written down. So <clears throat> have you seen? Um, this is kind of a a, a pre question. Have you seen? any of the kind of like shop episodes or, or, or brief videos I've made that kind of show kind of my like basement shop I'm in right now and mm-hmm. how like I have like a little room for my table saw and, and my bandsaw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So one of the things I've really liked about it, I mean, I wish I had the, the, the main item I wish I had in there is of course like my lathe and stuff. Cause I actually have the room for it on a table but the other thing, uh, which I don't have the room for, and if I did, then it'd be kind of the perfect size, would be an outfeed table for my table saw. But other mm-hmm. than that, I've realized over the last year, 
it's really, really nice in terms of cleanliness, having <laughs> like a closed off area that makes the dust because, yeah. you know, my, my resin casting area still gets, it, it gets messy, but it doesn't get dirty. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, of course my, my silicone project mat, like that gets dirty <laughs> with all the drippings and everything, <laughs> right. but you know, everything else like can get cluttered and stuff when I'm working and have a bunch of stuff all over the, the benches and everything, but it's not dirty in the sense that it's like covered in dust and, you know, just, you know, uh, like ribbons and, and, and stuff like it would get yep. in my, in my last shop where there's obviously no wall. Everything is just, you know, all in a big room, so to speak, that was like a two car garage. And, one of the things I've been thinking about, and so I wanted to ask you if you had any any good ideas, I've been, been brainstorming it myself, is if you can think of any good ways to make like kind of a temporary wall in a shop. Um, like a couple of the ways I've thought was getting like some heavy duty plastic and thinking, um, you know, that they kind of use when like they're doing painting and stuff, like uh, mm -hmm. breaking like are making like uh break off sections and stuff and the other thing um you know and then i just kind of have to figure out like do i roll that up like how you know how how exactly do i i do that when i want it to be gone other thing i thought about which i don't think will necessarily be feasible but i thought about like what if i put kind of rails on the ceiling and kind of had like a garage door style thing that kind of came down and, and acted mm -hmm. as like a temporary wall. Um, but anyway, I just kind of wanted to throw it out there. If, if you've maybe had the same thought at some point and, and thought of any, yeah. any ideas, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but it just kind of crossed my mind, you know, um, curious if you have any thoughts or ideas. Yeah, no, I, I've thought about that a lot. And, and realistically, what, what I want is I want to enclose my, like the resin casting area i want that to be like a kind of a clean like not not to like laboratory standards or anything like that but i kind of wanted it to be a clean room um, because like especially if, if you're trying to do like dead clear castings i mean it is so easy for dust junk to just fall in there you know like when mm -hmm. you're mixing or you know whenever like and in and if you're if you just got done cutting up a bunch of blanks and you go over like i actually do not i will resin cast before i cut things or turn things usually. I, I just because you no matter what, no matter how good your dust collection and air filters and all that stuff are, you're gonna create dust in the shop. And if those areas are kind of close, then and I even moved my lathe as far kind of as far as I could get it away from from the resin casting area, and and kind of separated the shop that way. Um, so originally, like I'd say a couple well. I'd say like two two or three years ago, I was seriously considering like enclosing like like building like literally building like kind of an office where where the resin casting room was. But I mean, this is going to cost thousands of dollars basically. <laughs> and I was like, and I keep keep hoping one day I keep in the back of my mind thinking that we're going to move into a house and I'll have a shop. And I'm like, I don't want to spend the money, you know. So I don't know when that's ever going to be. It's been eight years. We thought it was going to be like a year. <laughs> it's been it's been eight now, so I don't know. But um, the other thing that I came up with, though, and, and this is actually similar to, to kind of what I actually did for my shop. Um, so you probably know that my shop's kind of enclosed with that, like kind of painter's plastic mm -hmm. type stuff. Um, and we did that. So my dad's a machinist. All right. And he's got like solvents and junk that he's using oils. And I'm like, I'm doing woodworking. And if I need to finish something, I do not want oils and solvents in the air. Like, and he also doesn't want dust, sawdust, you know, because originally I, when I moved in, I was going to be doing like woodworking furniture stuff. Um, he didn't want sawdust in oils and solvents. And so we devised rather than like building in my shop because we were kind of considering like literally like you know fully putting up like walls and all that stuff i was like well why don't we just get plastic and i just hung it from the rafters and it's worked pretty well i mean it kind of keeps the dust in my shop and, and and that's not too bad the problem is it's like well for us we have like 16 or 18 foot ceilings like like it ain't coming it ain't going up and coming down kind of thing <laughs> right mm -hmm. 
the one thing though, if you have like, you know, eight to 10 foot ceilings or whatever, like, you know, normal people ceilings, um, if you have something like that, one thing that I would have seriously considered doing if we didn't, if I wasn't dealing with these huge ceilings here, um, I would have put up something similar. Um, but you know how, like when you're in the hospital, there's like, you know, there's like different beds and then they have those like things that there's like a track, um, mm-hmm. like connected to the ceiling and it just, you can like br- wrap the little curtain thing around a bed or right. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's kind of like I would a shower to- curtain. Yeah. Right. Kind of. Yeah. I would totally just do that type of thing. Um, I would, I would get, and, and you can even get like, yeah, that's a great th- idea. There's, there's, there's different thicknesses of these plastic. Cause I actually bought, I, I want to say that I, it's not the painter's plastic stuff. It's heavier. Um, you can buy any thickness. Um, they come in different mill thick, the MIL, um, thickness mm-hmm. layers. Um, you can get all kinds of different pl- plastic thicknesses and stuff like that. Sizes, all that stuff. Um, I, I even built my own finishing booth out of like plastic panels. And, and that was like a totally different thing. Cause I wanted something for spray finishing to keep mm-hmm. in the, the, the spray finish stuff, you know, um, doing it outside is horrible. Like we have like weird, we're, we have this weird corner where the wind would just like kind of almost tornado around. And so, I mean, I'd go out there and try and spray finish something and I would just, it'd be covered in dirt and I can't do it inside obviously. So I, I built this spray booth basically. So same idea. You can get all kinds of different plastic panels and, and sheets and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think you need anything super spectacular or thick or anything like that for just keeping dust out, but try and get it as high as you can, you know, to where it's up on that track and then, you know, drop, drop it down to the floor. You can even kind of wrap around like maybe a, I don't know, like a dowel or something like a closet rod type thing on the bottom of the, the thing. Um, so that it kind of is weighted so it, it's not blowing around or anything like that. Um, or I don't know, maybe just rubber or something like that. And just, just kind of weight it so that it does that. But that way you can kind of like curtain off, you know, when you're doing dusty things, curtain off maybe half the shop, you know, or whatever. And, and right. then, but at the same time, you can also open it up so you don't feel like you're like in this tiny little <laughs> shop if you don't need to kind of thing or you need more space for something. Yeah, no, I I think that that that's a fantastic idea. I didn't I did not think about I didn't think about that because I was thinking, you know, maybe of like developing a way to roll it up, but mm-hmm. and then I was thinking like I wonder you know if there's type of walls that you can buy that are kind of, you know, like uh paper-ish walls that are like an accordion style thing that that's Mm -hmm. the only way i thought of it going horizontal but the the kind of curtain rod style that that you're suggesting that that's a great idea because you know i could i put like some hooks or or something on each side where you know once i kind of pull it all the way to one side if i want to keep it open i can just kind of you know hook it hook it closed with like a a cord or 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 something and then it's like it's not even there and what i like about that too is if for whatever reason i like it's it's permanent but not to the point that it would be really hard like if i was like oh you know what like i actually want to like i don't know let's say i i think my shop's going to be like 20 feet uh long or or something and let's say Mm -hmm. i did you know, half, so 10 feet. And I was like, Oh, you know what? I I actually want it to be, you know, 12 feet or something. Like I could just go unscrew that rod. However, I mounted it and just move it over, you know, where some other type, um, that I was previously thinking of would be a lot, a lot more harder to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's an awesome idea. I'm I'm definitely going to do something like that because I think one of the other things that, I am definitely going to do again in my shop is have a little desk with like my shop computer that, Mm -hmm. you know, it hooks up to a TV so I can kind of watch, you know, like, uh, sports or whatever, you know, I, I, I may want if I'm working out there a lot and listen to music. And, you know, I also had like, when I was making a lot of pens, I have a little laser engraver, and I'd eventually like to have a 3D printer hooked up to it. And long story short, where I'm going with it is 
it's really nice to have a computer screen and a desk that doesn't get covered in dust and yep. a keyboard and mouse that doesn't get covered in dust. Cause like my, in my old shop, it would, and it was just so frustrating and, um, you know, it's just nothing more, uh, annoying than trying to, you know, type on a keyboard that's caked in dust and yep. then it <laughs> gets inside and then it's trash. And anyway, so. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Thanks for that idea. That's, that's, yeah. that's great. Cause what I like about that too, is like, you can kind of do that all yourself, you know, like oh, you totally. can, I could just buy like PVC pipe or something, you know, yeah. as the, as the rod. And, um, I, I wonder, I mean, I could always just kind of cut holes in it if I need to, but I'm going to look into if there's, um, an easy way to kind of like do a rivet style ring or something. Cause that would be cool. But in the, yeah, in the plastic? sweet. Yeah. Yeah. In the, the plastic. You can, you can get like a rivet set at, at Harbor freight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that'd be, the, that'd be the way to go and be pretty, pretty easy to do. I think. Yeah. They even make, if you search long enough <laughs> and I, this was like, like eight years ago when I, when I made that, that um, paint booth thing, um, you can even get cl dead clear panels, like plastic panels, of, of, and like like I said, in any size. Uh, honestly, you can order them with grommets built in. That's actually what what you'd be looking for. It's a grommet. Yeah. Thing. I should probably just do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you can get like any thickness you want, and it'll it's like you can get the exact you know height that you you need, and and they'll just roll it up and ship the thing to you already like made. You could even just use a tarp, frankly, if you wanted to go cheap. Mm -hmm. Like that would work fine, you know? Yeah. What I think one of the things that I've been getting more and more set on going this route, especially with the, the clear plastic too, that I think is a huge advantage over something kind of more, more solid is, um, it's the, like it, it's going to have no issue with light. Like right. the light is not going to look any any different really especially if you were saying like there's some really really clear ones that would be awesome because you know if i if i did something more opaque it's gonna be it, it's not gonna be as well lit you right. know um yeah. you're gonna kind of have a shadow and and everything so that's another another advantage of it yeah so. and for something like i mean it's not gonna be like super cheap necessarily if you you know like depending like i know that the, the panels that i i had to buy I want I want to say that 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 spray booth I mean it was big I, I, like I mean it was like a full on spray booth kind of like probably like eight feet tall, um, and I want to say it was at, I mean it was at least like a ten by ten or something like that so I mean it was like pretty serious and I bought like thick um, you know but dead clear panels, and even for that thing I mean that was a lot of plastic panels that I had to buy one two three, you know five huge pretty pretty big plastic panels like for for what you're doing i mean it's not going to cost that much i don't think really um you know compared to like building a wall or doing you know all this stuff that's going to have all these drawbacks right. i think it's you know maybe a couple hundred bucks to get those panels but i mean they're like built for you you know right and you'll be good to go so yeah i i'll be interested to see that if you do it because i've been like i said that's it's something that i've kind of thought about a little bit myself i just with our ceilings it's just <laughs> i'm like nope <laughs> i'm not doing that and i didn't want to put up that that kind of what we had i didn't want to like sideways cut off you know using that plastic stuff um that i have yeah. already because it's kind of opaque and it, that stuff's pretty it's pretty thin that's that's different from that spray booth stuff so cool but uh, hopefully it'll help you yeah. yeah yeah i i think so too i mean one of the other things I've been thinking about um, that'll be nice about it is it'll really force me not in 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 an unnecessary way but in a good way to really think about how condensed I could make kind of the dust making area mm -hmm. you know with with my like uh, saws and and then my lathe and sanders and if I do a really good job at it which I'm sure is possible um, my dust collection runs are going right. to be really short and yep. easy to set up, you know, because I was realizing before I was thinking about this idea of forcing it to kind of be in a certain section of the shop, I'm sure, uh, I, I, I would have had 
everything more spread out, which would have then, of course, had more uh, or longer runs from the dust collector and would have just been overall, you know, uh, harder to, to set up all of that, yeah. that ducting and, and, and all mm-hmm. that stuff because... You know, if it's if it's in a smaller area, it's also going to get better dust collection too from yep. from the collector. So, anyway, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun to do, and I'm I'm sure I'll I'll make a video when when I'm doing it, um, and and everything, because ho- hopefully it'll spark some other people to see see what they could do as well, or or Definitely. give me some even yeah. better ideas too. Um, Cool. So is there any other question you wanted to, to ask or, or bring up? No, uh, I know that you need to up? get you need to get to Christmas before Hawaii <laughs> tonight do. to do your little things and all that stuff. And so and we were, we were already running in an hour. So people are probably like, all right, guys, shut up. Time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll wrap it up. So, so, sounds like a plan. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And, and we'll see you in the next episode. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to help support the show, you can do so over on a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash theresincast. Also, if you have any questions that you want to submit, you can do so at theresincast at gmail.com. And make sure to check us out on YouTube. You can search for Wine Country Pens or Resinworks Studio. And check out our websites, winecountrywoodworks.com, winecountrymica.com, and resinworksstudio.com.